EO3. I've got my very own troll, and the good news is I can see him. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Steve Fines. Uh, good morning. Was that, was that an insult? I'm going to have to work that out later. <laughs> what's well, going on? You know what's going on? We're, we're at the more or less the 50th anniversary of one of the most famous news stories from the Vietnam War, which oh, yeah. was by, um, written by Peter Arnett, who was at that time with, with Associated Press. And he, he ended up teaching journalism in China, so hey. <laughs> Draw your own conclusions. But anyway, that, that, that's by the by. But, the, but, but do you remember, it was very famous. It was, I don't. It, well, Just no, no, you don't need to remember there. it, but it has actually been repeated more than once. Yeah, okay. Was he, he spoke to this uh, American commander during the Vietnam War, and he said, what are you doing? He says, ah, oh, <laughs> we've got to destroy that village to save it. Well, you think about that. Oh, I know where it, we're going. Yeah. Now. See, I've got this. Uh, I mean, uh, this, is, this is really what's happening now in Hong Kong. We've got Carrie Lam, who incidentally, people have forgotten this, had an election slogan, which was reignite Hong Kong. Oh. At the time, I wasn't sure what it meant. I'm now getting an idea what she meant by ignite. So she, she introduces the face mask thing. She ramps up as a well, she and the waxworks behind her who, who did all this, they ramp up the level of violence. And she says, see what I mean? I told you it was needed. I mean, this is, this is like, I, I don't know if I've said it on this Probably. program before, yeah, yeah. but hey, for the listener who's been asleep, I mean, this is the classic definition of chutzpah. You know, the, the, the old joke about chutzpah is, is, is the plea of mitigation. Um, for the person who's killed both his parents, his, his brief says, oh, yeah, but you've got to show him some sympathy. He's, he's an orphan, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is Carrie Lamb, 101. She's going, I had to, I had to introduce a measure to, to stop the violence um, because it increases the violence and therefore it proves that I was right. But, of course, what we do know is now she's gone down this road of using emergency powers which incidentally were, I think everybody knows this, were introduced in 1922 when the colonial secretary was somebody called Winston Churchill, oh, really? who, had, who had enormous reservations over what he called draconian powers and said to the governor at the time they were trying to suppress a docker's strike. This is back in 1922. Okay. I was only, only, only 53 at the time, so I don't remember it that well. But anyway, who, who said to the governor, he said, these powers are so draconian, you may only invoke them with my permission, my being the colonial secretary. So as we know, they've only been uh, invoked once again after that. That was in 67 during the Cultural Revolution rioting yes where people were dying i mean this was a very serious oh and incidentally the people who are responsible for that are the people who are in charge can you explain a little bit more about you know draconian laws because we all know what the words are but well, well, i'm I mean, not a is, lawyer this what, is, what this exactly is extraordinary Steve? i mean basically what it says we she's declared a state of emergency and in that marvelous carrie lamb way says because I've declared a state of emergency, this in no way implies that Hong Kong is in a state of emergency. OK, go figure. I, I, that's above my pay rate, exp uh, explaining that. But what it does is basically it suspends all the normal laws. Okay. So if the government, for example, decides, which they deny they want to do, but they want to um, suspend habeas corpus, they want to arrest anybody without any of the normal... Um, 
uh, hindrances. Like security laws in other countries where they can just lift it, you for nothing. It's more than that. Yeah. It's much more than that. Okay. They can repossess your property. They can close down the stock exchange. If I mean, these are all mad and no, bad things. No, I'm curious things. because we but don't they are know an actually awful lot about talking. This. They are actually talking. The mad and bad people who are egging her on to introduce these um, emergency regulations are seriously talking. I mean, you've got to take off your sane hat to think about this. They're seriously talking of, of curbing the internet. Gosh, that's going to really increase the international competitiveness. Oh, they were just talking about Kong. that on Bachelet. I mean, it's not just the bad boys that need the internet. It's <laughs> like, oh, everyone. Every, I mean, even I, who am the, the least computer literate person on the planet, kind of use that interweb thing. I believe you can get news off it and all sorts. But anyway, so, I mean, these are just extraordinary powers. But the thing which it seems they're most keen on using them for now mm -hmm. is the suspension of the November district council elections. Why is that? On grounds of security, they say. Why is that? Oh, because they're going to lose. Bosh, that's what happens in elections. You Where win are we some... with this one, anyway? Well, I mean, we're in the middle of the nomination period, so various people... Yeah, like my good friend Junius Ho has, has put his name in the ring. We'll all be voting for him. Um, Joshua Wong has put his name in the ring. There are very well-known people running for these district council elections. Yeah. And they are running... They, I mean the pro-China camp. Incidentally, there is no such thing in Hong Kong anymore as a pro-government camp. Because who on earth <laughs> is pro-Carrie Lam? Have you, have you seen her latest um, opinion poll? ratings the 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 um the public opinion uh, people who who used to be based at hong kong you've just done a survey her disapproval rating now is 80 percent even robert chung says it's irrelevant now <laughs> well he's saying no, no, he's saying it's just so he's never seen figures like this she's she's got a 15 percent approval i mean she's got a 15 percent approval rating but you know what there's actually a member of the waxwork team that surrounds her who's got lower ratings than her. You think that's impossible, but it is. It's my good friend, the, the Secretary for Injustice, Teresa Cheng. Her approval rating is 7% with 75% disapproving. So good on you, Teresa. You're, you're an absolute star. I think they've got more fish to fry than surveys right now, though. I was going to say, Don't yeah. I, I, part, I me you're quite right. I mentioned that in passing. But, I mean, when you're at those levels, it does tell you. Let's get back to the question of the emergency regulations. Please. The point is that once you, you go down that slope, do you seriously think, does anybody seriously think they're going to stop at this business with the mask law? Well, this is an interesting question, Which is unenforceable. I mean, because are they going to stop? But, you know, sometimes maybe we realise, oh, Pandora's box has been opened. Better put the lid back well, on. Well, let's just see where we are with precedent here. Do you remember when they, they introduced those big water cannon vehicles? It was said, oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're very big, very powerful. We're only going to use them in exceptional circumstances. It turned out that that was practically every demonstration was an exceptional circumstance. Do you remember when the police stopped issuing letters of no objection for demonstrations, i.e. public assemblies, Again, it was when the first one came out, it was, oh, this is, this is really very exceptional, we're not going to be using this power very often. Well, since then, practically every single demonstration 
has been banned, has been declared unlawful, except, strangely enough, for a demonstration of the um, flag wavers um, who see no colour, which is red, that they don't like. So you've got that going and on. And then chuck the flags in the bin afterwards. <laughs> and we see many of those pictures. I know. But my, my, my general point is this um, emergency powers is just too attractive to anybody who hates democracy. Well, yeah. And the anti-democrats look at it and they go, it's Christmas. We've got these powers, or rather the, 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 the chief executive in name only, the Sino's got these powers. We'll tell her to use it for this. We'll tell her to use it for that. And she will robotically appear in front of the television cameras and go, oh, this is entirely necessary because... And then well, has we'll... this one worked, Steve? I mean, the two well, is out Well, has it that. worked? That's, a, that's actually quite a reasonable question. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Even coming from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, has it worked? What was the immediate response? It was a higher level of violence. It was literally tens of thousands on the, of people on the streets wearing masks, which is now illegal. It was... What's the problem with this? Even if you take out the anti-democratic nature of the law, is the way that it diminishes the rule of law. If you have a law on the statute books, which is unenforceable, yeah. which is the mask law, it's unenforceable, all you have is arbitrary arrest. So you've got... A thousand people wearing a mask and you pick up 12, that's arbitrary arrest. Because actually a thousand people are, are engaged in unlawful activity. So you discredit the law. I mean, you may say the police have got nothing to do nowadays. So, you know, they, they should be... <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so they should be busying themselves um, arresting more people wearing masks. But, you know, they know it's futile. Even the Sino knows it's futile, and as for the waxworks, God knows what they know. But the fact of the matter is, it's an unenforceable law, and it's self-evidently an unenforceable law. Yet I hear Carrie Lamb saying, Ooh, well, this has been a great success. <laughs> I'm thinking about the other side of this coin, the caveats on this one. I mean, again, you probably know. So if somebody's, somebody's walking down the street and suffering from something nasty, are they too not allowed to wear a mask? Not that these, any doc will tell you that they don't particularly work. Well, I mean, <laughs> yes. I, I mean, the whole thing, you know, are, are journalists who are covering um, demonstrations allowed to wear a mask? Apparently, yes. Apparently, Yet, yeah. according to the police on the ground, apparently, no. So, you know, I mean, this whole area is, is not grey. It's, sort of, it's a sort of horrible beige that nobody cares to mix with. I honestly... I suppose that if somebody going about their business, sitting in an office wearing a mask, I, the idea of a police raid to arrest that person well, seems slightly unlikely. But, you know, when you've got a daft law, daft things happen. Mm. And you've got... Um, I mean, you've got... I just want to give an incident. It's not... It's a well-known incident, but it's not... It doesn't tell you about life and death in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. It's what happened in Man Shan the other day. When the police wanted to go into this big shopping centre called Moss Town. Um, the, there were five security guards at the door who, who tried to stop them coming in on the grounds that it was private property and they didn't have any kind of warrant for entry. True so far? True so far, all true. The police simply brushed them aside and you might think, oh, that's, that's a bit off, isn't it? They've now arrested them. For obstruction of the police. I, I mean, we, it seems to me now that, 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 that what used to be called the rule of law is diminishing to an extent of the rule of law is whatever we say it is. Mm -hmm. And 
uh, people like John Lee, who apparently is the Secretary for Security, who knew? He certainly didn't, um, are reduced to being incapable of... Um, Mm-hmm. of, uh, I don't know what he's capable of, so I'll just say incapable of everything. Let's go to an email here from Joe, Steve. Yeah. And he, let's just say, Steve, we're not about to say, but they are, but they aren't, but they are. This is to take it at face value. He says, please enlighten me why the students are destroying the machines at the MTR. That's the bit you take at face value. Uh, when Carrie doesn't even know how to use the machine or travel on the MTR, and certainly her cronies are all travelling by car, and why are they smashing up the banks? Probably never. Go, she never goes to a bank, has more money than cents, and probably uses a card. But have you noticed park and shops selling demonstrator masks three for forty-five? They must be making a killing. Now, <laughs> that's I mean, when they're let's, let's just get it down there, right? Joe says yeah. students. Joe says destroying. Blah blah blah. That's not what this is about. But take his point. Well, shall we just go? Shall we just talk about the MTR go because he's, he he has raised the subject. I mean, the MTR. When I came to Hong Kong, I think when everybody came to Hong Kong, was a revered institution. I used to tell people, come to Hong Kong, see how a mass transit system really works. It's clean, it's fast, it's reasonable, and it most of all is reliable. Now, it's one of the most hated, or even if it isn't one of the most hated, it's certainly one of the most controversial institutions in Hong Kong. How did that come about? There's no mystery about how it came about. It came about after an editorial in the People's Daily accusing the MTR of being, um, what was it, was facilitating? No, that wasn't the word they used. It was being um, an accomplice, that was the word, an accomplice to rioters. Yeah, I remember that. Overnight, overnight, the MTR started shutting up, uh, shutting off stations which were anywhere near a demonstration, and it escalated from there. Yeah. So, what should they be doing? to restore trust and confidence, to stop people destroying. I don't, incidentally, uh, agree with people destroying the MTR. I think it's a stupid thing. But anyway, what should they be doing now? They might just say, I tell you what, we will repair the stations, we will get them back in working order, and after that, we'll run a service, daily service, and we won't shut it down all the time. Anyway, segueing beautifully into Steve. Hey, I want to talk a bit more about history. William the Conqueror did one thing that we don't often talk about. He invented a curfew law. He did. He did. <coughs> Carrie Lamb has already sent him a sent him a, a message by telegram thanking him. Telegram, brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, the curfew law. Yes. Uh, um, well, they, this th- isn't one, and th- yet everybody's saying it is, but well, it isn't, but it is. Well, I mean, it, if you shut down the mass transit system tonight, apparently it's going to be shut at nine. Yesterday it was shut at eight. On previous days it's been shut, etc., etc. It is a curfew. I mean, I think the car ownership figures in the whole of Hong Kong, some much brighter person than me will be able to correct me, is five or seven percent. It's very low. It's yeah. very low indeed. So most people have in one way or other to rely on public transport. If you shut down the main public transport system, which is the MTR, Mm -hmm. it's a curfew. You can't get around. People um, may be happy that they're leaving work earlier these days. Good luck to them on that. There is a lot of of early closing going on all over the place, so there is a lot of that. And good luck to them with that. But the fact is... How, how then do you get out again at night? Are, are the bus and tram guys doing well out the of this? Bus, the buses apparently are doing quite well, but remember that, that when the MTR shut down entirely for the first time in its history, actually shut the entire system yeah. down, 
most of the buses are shut down too. So if you were in a place far away from home, you no, were... absolutely. There's a technical term for it, and it's not pleasant. So you have this effective curfew. And, I mean, the MTR don't seem to get it. They are the monopoly supplier of mass transit services. They have an enormous responsibility. I, th I think possibly they do. Hence. Well, they do. <laughs> but who are they more scared of? They're more scared of another, um, you know, um, wrap over the knuckles from the People's Daily than they are from their customers. But, of course, the way that the MTR now looks at the customers, they're not the customers, they're the suspects. So they no longer seem to regard the great unwashed of the Hong Kong public of being customers. They're regarding it as suspects. Now, we may, we've got this informal curfew on because of the MTR, but remember, under the emergency powers, it is entirely possible that the CINO and the Waxworks will come up with the bright idea of actually having a, a general curfew. I mean, this is what happened during the 67 riots. They had curfews in... in selected areas mm -hmm. and the interesting thing about that was oh that's right it didn't work what? but but well because they because they were ignored um i mean it gave police the power to pick up people who are on the streets i mean that's the whole point of a curfew is is um if you're on the streets you're Cover you fire. are you're well you're de facto doing something unlawful but the point was it worked for picking up the odd handy individual but if you know there were literally tens of thousands of people on the streets which is not inconceivable this is hong kong yeah, yeah. where you've had two million people on the streets um how do you actually enforce that how are you going to do that no good question good. i mean it's it's, it's it's interesting um this is just by the by it's just been pointed out to me we're coming up to halloween day yeah i know that, that's probably uh, it used to be on the 31st of October. I'm assuming this year it may well be at the same time. So I've got a list of three-year-olds that I might be handing over to the law Job enforcement. Oh. I think they need to be, because those three-year-olds, you know how they put on masks. Some of them, I don't think the listener knows this, a full face. They are. You, you drink. I want them. I want. Them. I want them it's all Thursday. detained. It's a Thursday. It's a Thursday. Thursday. You remind me of something else. This culture of dobbing in, and we have seen that perhaps about fifty years ago. Can we go to an email we had before the news from? Drake? We can. So he says, um, "Here's another for you. A few years ago, uh, Leung Chai Yan. Now she is the daughter of Leung Chung Ying. Called the police from Government House. Si Wai Leung denied police entry, claiming that the matter was handled. The police did not charge Cy for." obstructing officers why it's private property unless the police had compelling reasons that the owner of the place is an accomplice the police shall not uh, trespass the case we had with man san was police alleged that they'd received a vandalism report inside the mall the guards in the mall didn't find anybody vandalizing the police broke in randomly arresting someone shoving reporters along the way did they bother to investigate the alleged vandalism yes. no the police lied about their intent. How can the police then charge the guards for obstruction when the officers were not carrying out their legitimate duty? What is this lawlessness? It seems to be application... I mean, I, I see where Drake's going with this. It seems to me very much to be application of the law as you like it. You know, it's, it's like a buffet. We'll have some of that, we'll have some of that. And oh, by the way, we don't like that, so we won't be having any of that. Now... If you had control of the police force and you actually had a secretary for security who wasn't in hiding, he might just phone up the commissioner of police and go, you know what, 
there is actually regulations about how this is supposed to be done. They are so terrified of their own shadow that the idea that anybody who is responsible for security in Hong Kong would actually say to a member of the police force, oh, blah, 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 I don't think that's... They're not going to do that in current circumstances. And, you know, I, I still, in the midst of all this, say I have immense sympathy for the police because the police force is not supposed to be there as a substitute for political action. There is no scintilla of a sign of the people who are supposed to be governing Hong Kong doing that job. All they're doing is saying, and remember, this is something that Carrie Lam admitted in one of those videotape recordings of her meetings with businessmen. She admitted saying, oh, poor me. That was when she wasn't talking about she couldn't have her hair done. Oh, poor me. <sighs> I've only got the police. I haven't got anything else. Well, if that's her mindset, which of course it is, this is terrifying. Mm. She has no intention, so we're told, but on the other hand, that's probably the instruction she's receiving from Beijing. She has no intention of actually trying to find a political solution here. What she thinks is going to happen is that next week she's going to go to LegCo. Oh, sorry, she's not actually probably going to go to LegCo to make her policy address. She's going to send them a the video. The book's open, actually, right now, isn't it, on this? <laughs> the book's open. I would, if you're, if you're laying bets, I'd lay a couple of couple of shiny dollars on on the idea that she will not be turning up in person she'll probably be sending a video along and she'll be announcing we're doing housing this social welfare that. sending a video along <laughs> <laughs> well, here I, it is delivered by courier it's a beta <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a beta max it probably worked quite well of her, anyway, her yeah. sitting in a remote location called government house going uh, with her normal normal um, frenzied charisma that we've all come so att attached to, um, delivering probably for five hours. I can never tell when she's speaking. It always seems like five hours, however long it is. Anyway, delivering this policy address, and she'll be saying, you know, we're going to put money into housing, we're going to give old people another $3 every year, etc., etc., and that will solve the problem because it's now been decreed by the Communist Party that the real problems in Hong Kong are entirely to do with these underlying social issues. Well, actually, they're not wrong. I mean, the underlying social issues are astonishing and are very, very pressing. But the fact of the matter is they haven't been addressed for all these years. That isn't what's given rise to the protests. I mean, I've been to more protests than is good for the average person. I don't see anybody raising a slogan saying, you know, we want more housing, we want this. People do want that. But that's not the issue to hand. No, it's like that triangle, isn't it, where you <laughs> do the bottom bit instead of when you should be <laughs> yeah, doing the top I bit. Yeah, I know. Incidentally, the really interesting thing is, do you know, I, 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 I've done a, a swingometer for this. At the beginning of the demonstrations, we're talking about early June, yeah. there were many, many calls for the CNO to step down. She's so relevant now. She's just not mentioned. Nobody bothers. They're not calling for any of these people to step down because they know that that the replacement will be another cipher for Beijing or they know it will be another non-entity. I mean, the stock of non-entities is absolutely over, overflowing. Mm -hmm. So people aren't bothering with that, and rightly so, because it really doesn't matter. She's not in control. Mm -hmm. It's sad-ish. Oh, I've got some more emails. Oh, have you? Are you ready? Gosh. Let's see. David. 
I haven't proofread this, so I hope you haven't said any <laughs> naughty words. David says, <laughs> Cut them um, out. also Steve said the government want to close down all music bars and restaurant places to have a good fun. That's why they want to put a curfew on. Uh, maybe. I've never thought about it this way. I, I, I'm so <laughs> against fun. Can I just say that? Uh, he said, I wasn't the most intelligent, but I'm obviously surrounded by fools and idiots who don't like music or having a good time. Let's talk a bit about this anyway. Um, he's here all week stand-up comedy dave yeah the thing about closing down again it was talked about on back chat this morning i'm curious about which kind of restaurants are feeling the pinch is it in general is it in certain places what do you know having been a bloke in the catering business well I, I do know that that some localities uh, which isn't highlighted because we have to only focus on the terrible things that are happening some localities um like where i live in Saikung, actually are doing absolutely booming business because it's regarded mm. as a quiet place people who live in that vicinity are not going into town they say oh i'll, I'll, I'll stay so we're talking for... serendipity on so, lots so of little some issues, places are actually doing very well out of this it is quite true that if you're in chimsa choi if you're in causeway bay and you're running a hotel or a restaurant or a bar indeed if you're in lang kwai fong um, uh, as a tenant of Mr. Mr. Zeman, you're really not doing very well at the moment. I mean, you're doing appalling business. Mm. That is in part because of the curfew. You can't get to these places, even if you want to go there. And in part because of the mood, you know. And in part because we seem to be mainland touristless and they were crawling around yeah. that place. There well, were that's, tons. that's also this, true. These, these kinds of places too. I don't know if they're not being well, allowed they, in they, or what the deal is. Let me just tell you, I mean, one, one of the businesses I run is, is a contract, uh, not contract catering, function catering business, actually almost every <laughs> actually almost every single function has been cancelled. Yes. I've never known that happen before. And you talk to the organisers, most of them say, uh, and you know they're not, nobody is pleased if they've spent a lot of time organising a function, nobody is pleased to cancel it. And they say, we're worried people can't get there and then they give you a list of perfectly objective reasons why they've cancelled we don't know what will happen on that day it's very uncertain blah 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 and then they say at the end of it anyway nobody's in the mood to come out to this that's what they say at the end of that stream of and hurt as it may you have to understand and empathize uh, you? you 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 really can't argue with them i mean they 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 as i say they don't want to cancel them i mean it's 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 not good for us in fact it's Effing awful for us, but oh, I'm, yeah, I know. I want to wrap up with an absolutely brilliant email. Go on. Uh, sometimes on Radio Three we moan that people write too much. This fellow's email is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight words, and this is Mark from Waterloo Road. He said, "Dear Stephen, Phil, I think about this. Don't give me the usual malarkey, Steve." He said, "Can anything be done to rectify the situation?" That's a brilliant email. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Excellent question. 